Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I can't believe a mechanic like me might not have set something up properly down here, but that's uh, that's that's the way that goes. I'm kind of getting nostalgic for those early years of at uh, the uh, big AM 1500 in the 80s when uh, we'd do a remote and it was 40, 60 against getting on the air. So uh, the the fellow we we do a we're much better these days. We're 90, 95 percent. I'd say you know wouldn't that you? would be a that would be a fine. Uh, I don't know if it would be a documentary or what it would be, but the great moments in you know joe and pat yes. on remote history the time you know you guys talk to each other when you're Nothing in toronto will ever top toronto with the grifster running the operation <laughs> we played are about, we on the air we played about <laughs> seven minutes of that uh, a while back it was uh it was uh, the best was and nobody has ever figured out how this happened but the best was there were times that i was talking to griff yep and then there were times that Joe was talking to Griff. Yep. But one time, Joe and I were talking to each other, and there was no Griff. We don't know <laughs> we where were, we went. We were in Toronto <laughs> talking to each other in in different hotel rooms, in different <laughs> hotels. We were talking to each other, but we had no Griff yep. or a communication with the outside world. It was fantastic because we were saying... Now, don't use any bad language here because right. they might be able to hear us. Because we, we might be on the air. <laughs> we might be on the air. It was it's, uh, You know what it is, Pat? It's good to see that some things just never change. You know, well, we're consistent uh, oh, is what we changed. are. It's changed pretty good. I just uh, <laughs> I had a little trouble there. All right. Uh, now, Zach Levine comes back tonight, I heard. Or I, and, I, I think uh, it's Saturday. Saturday. And yeah. Chris Dunn's playing well. So do we still have people complaining that they actually gave up players to get Jimmy Butler or not? Have we have I, we now decided that Jimmy Butler's pretty good? I think the only debate is that, you know, well, should they have given up Wiggins instead of Levine for Jimmy Butler? Yes. And I okay. mean but the thing of it is is if you would have done that, then you're just now getting Zach Levine back this week after forty two games of not having him. So who knows where well, this team would plus, be at. Plus, I think they felt like Wiggins was a better player, right? Yeah. Wiggins, uh, now, uh, I did tweet out last night, boy, if that uh, Tibbs wasn't such a lousy coach and Wiggins (laughs) wasn't such an overpaid stiff, they could have really beat the hell out of the Cavs. (laughs) And uh, and there was a couple people that got on board with that sentiment, but uh, then again, there were some people being sarcastic back to me, and I didn't pick up on it, so... (laughs) But uh, what in the hell was that? I didn't get to see any of it, but uh, obviously the Cavs are trying to make Isaiah fit in. And, and tell me about the Isaiah cheap shot. What was that about? I I don't 
uh, you know, there there were naturally some people last night. I think that were you know upset with Isaiah and calling him dirty and all. That. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was dirty. I think it was kind of reckless and irresponsible. I think he was trying to go for the ball, and but it just wasn't. You know, he just ended up hitting Wiggins in the throat. You know, trying to swipe up at the basketball, and he. He hit Wiggins in the throat, and the first thing he did was he apologized to him. He tried to help him up, and even after he got tossed, he sort of you could see him kind of signal down to Wiggins like, "Hey, I'm sorry," type of thing. So it it it's it happened. He got tossed from the game, and and that was it. Meanwhile, even Corso had to admit Wiggins was pretty good last night, huh? <laughs> I well, but I that's don't know. but of course the quick critics of Wiggins then say, "Well, why doesn't he play like this every night?" Right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that, that's that's yeah. That, you know, that's, yeah, that's the I don't wanna, that's the easy out, right? I, and I don't want to go down that path, but you could tell a noticeable difference last night yeah. between he, the the just not the, the effort level and the enthusiasm. They're, they were a completely different team last night playing. Yeah, from well, the times that I've watched, and the anyway. way and the way they moved the ball last night was really. I mean, they, and part of it too is just the Cavs just don't outside of LeBron and maybe Tristan Thompson, they're just not that good of a defensive team. So. You know, the Wolves were able to move the ball well. They shared it well. They took good shots. They made Here's a lot the deal, of shots. Though. Here's the deal, Chris. They've been playing pretty good here for a month. Oh, no, they have. Yeah. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. What are they, 11-4, and 12-3, something like that. I mean, but, Pat, they looked games. like a top-four seed last night in the league. That's I mean, I that yeah. was the best performance, obviously, that they've had of the entire season, but... They were. It was like, like Manny was saying. The, the ball movement was just crisp and everything. You thought, "Oh my God, these guys are pretty darn good." But it is funny how more than any sport, you don't judge hockey teams by what. Well, Judd does, but you don't judge them by <laughs> one game because it's an eighty-two game season. You mm-hmm. certainly don't judge baseball teams. But for some reason, yeah, basketball people expect to see the same team 82 times yeah it's you know i've got some people saying well how about that brooklyn nets game well it's sports you play yeah. 82 the, ca- of them. The, ca- the Cavs lost to the nets yes yeah you play so, 82 of them sometimes you're going to be good and sometimes you're going to be bad yeah i mean it, it it's it's one of those things if the best team won every single night the warriors would be 82 and 0 Yes, they would go eighty-two and although they came close, they won seventy. They went seventy-two and ten. So, uh, but yes, but this team, the bottom line is they let four or five games get away from them. But they're twenty-six and sixteen, and they're mm-hmm. playing their. And everybody says it takes time when you put a whole new bunch together, and it's they're playing better now than they were a month ago. That's what you're looking for, the, right? The thing I'm looking, I'm going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks is, you know, when Teague comes back, how Thibodeau is going to go with, with that is because Tyus is playing really well right now. And I'm not saying that you, you keep Tyus as the starter, but at some point, Tibbs is going to have, especially when Teague first comes back, Tibbs is going to have to sort of ease him back into this and, and keep Tyus, you know, keep let Tyus putting play Tyus 18 out there. minutes at least. Huh? Yeah, well, at he's least been 18. using his, the bench has been, I don't even, there haven't been that many complaints about minutes lately, have they? Because they've been no, 36, you know, 38. Crawford's like playing that. a little bit more minutes and they got Bielitsa back and he's filling uh, some he's, time. So He's killing some time, but he isn't killing any baskets. What is That's wrong right. with him? Does yeah. he never, never get a shot or does he not work to get a shot? Or what? I think he just has to. Get get that rhythm back that he that he had before he got hurt. 
Well, how long are we going to keep the uh, big guy gestating down in the, with the Iowa Wolves? Let's get him in here to play 12 Justin minutes of Patton. defense. Yeah, what are they waiting for? Well, I think he got called up. I don't know. I, but yeah, I have but to double check. But, but he had, yeah, he really didn't play. I, so. have a, I have a piping hot sports take. Okay, I'm ready. You ready? I think Tyus Jones should be their starting point guard, and I'm not joking. This isn't a homer take at all. He's He is playing really, really well. There is something that could be said to having moving Teague to the, to the bench where he'll, <laughs> Seriously? Have, where he'll, he'll have a little bit more freedom to sort of look to score. A the little offense bit more often. is so stationary when Teague is in the yeah, game. Tyus, he's, a lot of times he's dribbling and dribbling. Tyus and dribbling. just yeah. knows where to be on the court mm-hmm. all the time. And I know he's undersized, but he has such good basketball instincts. Don't, I think, hold, your, don't hold your breath. They, they gave Teague three years at Big yeah. Oh, I, I get it, but but I just you, it's a noticeable difference when, when Tyus is on the floor. I, I do think if you're if you're figuring out forty eight minutes between those two guys as your point guard yeah. There needs to be they need, the the minutes between them need to be a little bit closer. Together. I agree, I agree with like that. Completely. I, you, hey, you, you know, you know, just from looking at the box score, who's played better, Georgie? Yeah, yeah. Georgie's been making and, some shots and getting some points and figuring out what he's trying to do too. He yeah, looks and, so sad. Joe <laughs> <laughs> thinks he looks sad. sad, but you know what, Pat? Georgie's one of those guys too, where he needs to play more to play mm-hmm. well. If he's only playing twelve, yeah. thirteen minutes, then it's going to be hard for him to. To get going, but if he plays 19, 20, 21 minutes, he'll he'll give you something. I think he looks sad because so many people have mispronounced his name his whole life. It's, it's actually kind of depressing. Yeah. It's kind of depressing. <laughs> Jing, how do you how do you get Jing out of the D? Man? Right, come on, it's D, it's Ding, it's not Jing. Don't tell me it's Ding, like Lou all day. Yeah, 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 Ding, yeah, it's Ding. Come on, that's that's why he's sad. Nobody can pronounce his name. That's why, he's, and just that's why the other guy's sad too. Billy's uh, he's sad too because nobody can pronounce his name. So, <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Rachel Blount uh, covers the Olympics for the uh, Star Tribune, and we have a uh, uh, Maggie Nichols, the local gymnast, is now involved in this horrendous scandal uh, taking place in U.S. gymnastics. Uh, she also was molested by this uh, doctor who was the gymnastics doctor for twenty years, and we'll also talk about the good news that North Korea is going to go to the Olympics in South Korea, lessening the chances of the crazy little man dropping a nuclear bomb on those Olympics. So that's uh, that's good. If I was Rachel, I'd be happy about that news. We'll be back. Rachel Blount covers uh, the Olympics and Olympic sports for the Star Tribune. Another uh, uh, huge story here in the Twin Cities today. Uh, Maggie Nichols admitting that uh, she also was molested by this evil doctor, Larry Nasser, uh, the gymnastics doctor for uh, USA Gymnastics for 20 years. Uh, Rachel, was this uh, sort of, uh, did some people maybe anticipate Maggie was uh, athlete A? I think there were people that that were concerned. Uh, When Allie Reisman did her piece on 60 Minutes a few months ago, my husband and I were sitting there on the couch watching it, and he said to me, oh, man, do you think anything happened to Maggie Nichols? And I said, I, you know, I've been trying not to even think about that. You just think in the back of your mind, 
She was such a prominent member of that team. She'd been going to those monthly camps at the Caroli Ranch for years, and that's exactly where Larry Nasser was molesting these girls in the training room. And so, yes, very sadly, I, I, I wasn't altogether surprised. Uh, Rachel, that sport historically has had a problem in this area, and uh, but this guy, uh, this guy's a, 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 a evil guy onto his own, the way it appears. Oh, absolutely. I, typically, it's it's coaches that, that you hear these accounts of sexual abuse. And in this case, it was the team doctor, and he was telling these girls that this was medical treatment. They're young girls. They're being told that this doctor is the best in his field, that he's the expert, that he's going to cure all their ills and get them healthy so they can perform and go out and, and try to make the world championships team or the Olympic team. And so... You know, they're, they're 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. They trusted him, and they trusted the adults who were telling them that this guy knows what he's doing. And here he's exploiting that and, and taking advantage of them. It's, it's really, really horrifying. And these are really vulnerable athletes. I mean, because they're, I, I don't want to use the word waifs, but they're so uh, young and small and the, the, the best, you know, uh, the best gymnasts are 15 years old, 16 years old, and uh, and they have devoted their life since when? Age four, age five, to something like this. So it's it's uh, it's they are just uh, ripe to be picked on by a, a guy like this. If and to know. add to that, Patrick, this was happening when they were away from home. Yes. They go every month. There's a training camp for the national team at uh, Bella and Marta Caroli's ranch down in Houston, Texas. So once a month, these athletes leave their homes and their families and their gyms, and they go down there for a long weekend to train. So they're away from their parents. They're away from their regular coaches. And this is where this guy got them. So the situation was really difficult. And let's not forget also that Bella and Marta run a, a very cutthroat camp, to put yes. it as nicely as, as I possibly can. These girls down there, as you said, are very young and vulnerable. They're being told that they've got to perform right now at the best of their abilities. They want to make the Olympic team ever. And so here they are at age 13, 14, 15 in these camps thinking, I can't make a mistake, I can't do anything wrong. They are under so much pressure. It's no wonder none of them talked about this or, or that they all just accepted this as the price of trying to make an Olympic team. Yeah, and if you come home and tell mom and dad, you're probably feeling like that, that ends it for you, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really unbelievable. So has this guy faced charges yet, or what's, what's going on? This guy was sentenced in November to 60 years on wow. separate okay. charges. He got, uh, he got busted for child porn last summer, All and right. he pleaded guilty to federal child pornography charges, so he got 60 years on that, and later this month he's going to be sentenced on 10 counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct for some of these incidents with athletes and with other women. And I believe the number is up to... 135 women have accused him over the years. He was also the team doctor for women's gymnastics at Michigan State. So dozens of women who were gymnasts at Michigan State over the years also have come forward and said he did the same thing there. 
And did uh, Reisman uh, get it started, uh, basically, or did uh, who who got it started? Michaela Maroney was the first okay. one to go public. Yep, okay. and then Allie Reisman, and, and Allie Allie's case was was then showcased on sixty Minutes, so she got very very wide um, attention for for her allegations. Well, it's a sad story, and uh, I don't know Maggie Nichols, but you've covered her a lot, and I'm sure it's heartbreaking for you. To, it uh, is heartbreaking. It's just terrible. She's a lovely person, a really great kid, just just the, the nicest, most wonderful kid you could ever meet, and a wonderful family. Her dad's a doctor. Her mom's a nurse. They're just a, just a really nice family from, from little Canada. Her folks are, are, are great. Her gym is great. Her coaches, of course, are just heart sick about this it, it, it's really it's tragic for everybody uh rachel you're three weeks from heading to korea i take it uh and uh it had to be the best news you've had in a long time that north korea is bringing athletes instead of bombs to the uh to uh south I'm korea i'm very happy the... <laughs> they have one pairs figure skating team that's actually qualified that will get them into the olympics yes uh, that's good so uh that uh you know that how far is that from the border where you're headed because it's about gotta be 40 north. miles it's pretty close to the dmz <laughs> I know there's uh, been terroristic threats at virtually every Olympic you've covered, but uh, this one uh, with that crazy little guy there would have been a little more frightening. I think so. It, it, it was pretty nerve-wracking for a while, although some folks are of the, uh, of the mind that he probably wouldn't dare to do anything with China yes. being there because yes. the Winter Olympics, the Olympics in general, are such a big deal to China. The thinking was that uh, the Chinese officials probably sat him down and said, don't even think about messing this up for anybody. So there, there was that in the back of the head, but... You know, he's he's so unhinged that anything could have happened. I uh, covered one in Sydney with the 17-hour time difference. You've covered several of these uh, for a newspaper. And now, now with the 24-hour cycle, you're basically working all day long. But the uh, trying to write for the print edition, I think, from Sydney, Australia, was the worst experience of my life. because I, of... Exactly. I've sat down with the schedule. It's a 15-hour time difference yes. for these Olympics. And I've been trying to plot out a basic schedule for each day, and it's just, you have to rack your brain looking at what is the time in Pyeongchang when these things are happening, what time is it going to be here, is there anything that we can write live to get into the next day's newspaper, and pretty much nothing other than some curling that's happening at 9 a.m. in Pyeongchang, that's the only event we can cover live. Otherwise, we'll be writing game stories that will go on the web and be completely obsolete by the time the paper hits people's doorsteps. So our print edition is going to have an awful lot of uh, feature stories and profiles and, and previews. What's the outlook for our uh, uh, local uh, Lindsey Vaughn? Is she going to be on the – is she going to uh, rack herself with injuries and not make it, or is she going to make it? You kind of hope they put her in bubble wrap for the next few weeks. She's mm -hmm. uh, she's slated right now to race in the Super G. She's made it in in that event, and fingers crossed that uh, that she does not get hurt. Although you certainly know that uh, all bets are off when it comes to that. No, hey, you know that is one of the most amazing sports there is downhill skiing. When the money got big. These people never retire. They did. I yeah. mean, Cody Miller, they just keep going, man. They're gonna, they're gonna ski till they're forty if they can keep getting the checks and getting some medals. 
It's and amazing. it's mind-boggling that they can when yes. you see that sport in person up oh. close. Man, those courses, they are so steep, and they're solid ice. They're not, you know, people think, oh, powder skiing, but these things, they water them down, they make them solid ice, and they pack them so these people can go 70 or 80 miles an hour during the downhill. And you, you wonder what kind of person it takes to even have the nerve to try it. And uh, a couple of times they're riding the bus up at before dawn when it's dark out, and you you got to see those lights and how far up the mountain they are yeah. to realize how far they're skiing. I mean, I remember Lilyhammer saying, what? That's where they're coming from? It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Typically, it's way up in the clouds. If it's a cloudy day, you can't even see the start. It's, it's, it's in the clouds. Well, uh, we're always worried about locals. Uh, we used to uh, go watch the guys finish 48th in uh, cross-country skiing all the time. But uh, what, what interesting locals do we have beyond uh, Lindsay? Well, I think our biggest hockey gold medal team. hope is probably uh, the women's hockey team. We've got eight locals there. They've had sort of mixed results against Canada in the pre-Olympic run-up. They were doing pretty well against them, but then lost their last four and hit kind of a scoring drought. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get that straightened out. They have won the last three world championships, beating Canada each time. So they you've seen this before, Patrick, I think. Yep. They, they, they win the world championships, and then they go to the Olympics, and they just can't get it done. So we'll see if it's any different this time. We've got eight Minnesotans, including uh, Gigi Marvin, who's now a three-time Olympian, and the number one goalie for the team, Maddie Rooney, is from Andover and is taking a break from her uh, sophomore season at uh, Minnesota Duluth. And then we've got uh, Jessie Diggins, our cross-country skier from Afton. She has been terrific on the tour the last couple of years. She could very well medal, and that would be a huge deal for the United States. The U.S. has only won one cross-country medal in Olympics, and it was Bill Koch in, I believe, 1972. So that one's been a long time coming, and the U.S. women are quite good now with Jessie leading the way. So she's a real uh, hope there. And then we'll see what our curling teams can do. We've got John Schuster coming back for, <laughs> okay. for one more uh, one more go, a four-time Olympian. He's got a couple other Minnesota guys on his team, and the women's team has got uh, three Minnesotans there as well. So we'll see if the new selection system for U.S. curling, where they're now hand-picking athletes and assembling the teams themselves, we'll see if that gets any better results. Growing up in Iowa, you couldn't have imagined yourself spending this much time in curling rinks, I would imagine. I couldn't imagine myself spending this much time in curling rinks a couple of years ago. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting sport, and people uh, find it. Uh, I remember seeing it in, uh, I can't remember when they brought it. Calgary was the first time they had it, and that was as an exhibition sport. Right. And I remember they were showing it, and the Japanese press corps was basically laying on the floor howling with laughter when they saw these guys with the little <laughs> brooms. And now it's mainstream. It's, uh, it's uh, terrific. It is. So, I think people get wrapped up in it because it's sort of an everyman thing. You can look at that sport and say, I could do that. Maybe I couldn't be an Olympian, but I could actually do it. Unlike something like, say, downhill skiing or luge or skeleton, which nobody ever has the opportunity to do. So I think that's part of the appeal. And then, you know, the regular folks, too, our, our Olympians that are going this time for Minnesota, there's a pharmacist and there's a liquor store manager, and, you know, they're all folks that have regular day jobs, and, hey, now they've made the Olympics in, in an offbeat sport.
All right, Rachel, thanks for your time and uh, explaining uh, some uh, issues to us here. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Take care. All right, Rachel Blount uh, from Star Tribune covers the Olympics. Reavers, you should get the guy who runs the liquor store who's on the Olympic curling team on the beer show. I was absolutely just thinking that. <laughs> i got to find this guy's name and get him on. find the guy and get him on the beer show. Yes, that would be tremendous. Right, the Olympic correspondent for the beer show. We need one. All right, we'll be back with Johnny Height with a sports update. Here is John Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Staples. Staples keeps your ink stocked and your business moving by 1 HP Ink. Get the second at 30% off. Ends 113. Restrictions apply. See store or staples.com for details. Staples, it's pro time. Some uh, breaking news this afternoon. A third sexual assault allegation has emerged against suspended University of Minnesota basketball player Reggie Lynch with the university's Office of Equal Opportunity and Affirmative Action recommending expulsion. A redacted version of the complaint, which was obtained by various news sources, including our five eyewitness news downstairs, resulted in a finding from the EOAA that Lynch was responsible for sexual misconduct in an alleged off-campus sexual assault in April of 2016. Lynch, the defending Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, already facing suspension for an incident that allegedly happened in May of 2016. A source close to Lynch told Five Eyewitness News he denies that accusation. He'll appeal the finding. His attorney, Ryan Pasiga, confirmed that Lynch will appeal the suspension and said he wouldn't comment, that is the lawyer, until a press conference he will hold tomorrow at 1 in the afternoon. Lynch and Edina Native did not play in Saturday's loss to Indiana, but athletic director Mark Coyle said he remained a part of the team and has been practicing with the Gophers. The suspension made public Friday would run through August 2020. That suspension could reportedly include exemption from games and practices, as well as from classes, campus, and university events. Uh, sources told Five Eyewitness News the investigation started in mid-October after the woman reported the alleged assault to the university. Not, of course, the first time he's been investigated in May of 2016. He was arrested on suspicion of raping a 19-year-old woman in a campus apartment. He, I believe, uh, he was not wasn't today the first day he practiced? I, I think I read that today, or he rejoined he was, the team to practice. He had been practicing. I don't know. He was there yesterday. I read this morning. Okay. He was there, but according to Coach Patino, they didn't use him much. They mm-hmm. said they basically sat in the corner, but he said, uh, Patino said, because they've had the injuries and that sort of thing, they did have him take part in a few things. They practiced today for the first time at the $170 million mm-hmm. waste of waste of our money because we'll never win a football game that matters anyway. <laughs> Minnesota Wild in action tonight. They are at home against Calgary. Uh, the Wolves, uh, some Wolves news. They had, of course, that big win last night over the Cavs, and it looks like Jeff Teague, the starting point guard, uh, he practiced this afternoon with the team. Oh, Reavers is disappointed. Darn it. <laughs> yeah. Ruined your big plans, didn't it, Chris? Uh, he, of course, had a grade one a grade one sprained knee MCL. He did that uh, 13 days ago against Denver. And according to the folks at practice today, he might be able to play as soon as tomorrow night against Oklahoma So Tibbs City. is going to play him 42 minutes? <laughs> Get back in there, kid. Yeah. <sighs> Forward Gophers head football coach Tracy Clays has a new job. He's been named the defensive coordinator at Washington State. Head coach at Washington State, of course, Mike Leach. And he had a pretty good uh, job application the uh, last game he coached against Washington That's State right. in That's the right. Holiday Bowl. So. Uh, the Twins are hiring Justin Morneau. I Morneau. think anybody played good. I'm excited to see all these. You guys act like somebody played good. I'm excited to see who he is. <laughs> 
guy. You know, I'm just glad that Tracy was able to find a job where his personality matches that of the head coach so perfectly like Mike Leach. Uh, Justin Mordo joining the Twins as a special assistant. Uh, the last time he played, by the way, was for Team Canada in the WBC last spring. Of course, he was the MVP for the Twins in 2006. Well, if Tracy ever decides to get married, he can go to Mike Leach for advice. Oh, my God, that would be spectacular. Right. On the wedding, yes. Uh, no, right. uh, don't tell him. You you know, say you don't care. Don't say you don't, don't care. Don't say you don't care. <laughs> You'll pay for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Former Twins News, Vance Worley. The Vanimal. Oh, the Vanimal. Do He's we re-sign him? A minor league deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Okay. I, I didn't realize this. He pitched all year, basically, with the Marlins, for the Marlins right? last yeah. year. He yeah. had is, Was that when it all started to go bad for uh, Terry? That one was pretty bad. The Vanimal? Yeah. Uh, by the way, we're probably going to have Trevor May on next week. I'll ask him if he thought that. If he thought that's where it all started to well, go bad when we traded Revere for. Uh, but Revere's career didn't really amount to that much. No, that's true. But the fact that we would have the audacity to start a season, the Fighting Twins, yeah. with Vance Worley I was the at that game starter, against the Tigers after he had pitched as rotten as a human being could pitch down here in spring training, still didn't cost him the opening game start. I'll never forget that day. It was about 35 degrees at Target <laughs> Field, and the Vanimal going up against Verlander that day. Ooh, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. You know, you just can't trust a guy that gives himself a nickname, and giving yourself a nickname like the Vanimal, that's a bad sign. That's a bad, bad sign, yes. And former twin Matt Garza, he's going to have surgery, which is unfortunate. Oh, no. He can't have much left, right? He's 34 years old. He's got a torn right shoulder labrum. Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, everybody, the twins, uh, when they... They wanted to sign him, and he wanted too much money, so they signed Alaska, and it would have been about a push, right? A coin flip yeah. there. Well, he was okay last year till he got hurt. He got the hurt Brewers, right? Mid-season. And by yeah. the way, any Hector updates? I haven't seen any Hector uh, news. We want some Hector news. <laughs> I want to see Hector pitch to that Yankee lineup. Yep. That's what oh. I want to see. Ouch. It'll be like yeah. Bugs Bunny against the Gas House Gang is what it'll be. be. Throwing them over into the other dugout so they can't reach him. All right, we better go here. We have an anxious traffic demand here. Sitting shotgun on the ride with Royce. I'm not that good a driver. <laughs> I'm old. On 1500 ESPN. The ride with Royce now continues. It's time for Late Hits. All right, the Associated Press uh, final football ratings are in. Alabama, number one. I'd go along with that. Georgia, number two. Oklahoma, number three. Eh, I don't know about that defense of theirs. They, uh, they're pretty vulnerable. Well, they did go to double overtime they against the Bulldogs. They did go to double <laughs> overtime, but they absolutely puked it away. For Clemson, I don't know about that either. They're, they're good, but not that good. Ohio State, five. Central Florida, six, even though they are the national champions. <laughs> Cole, co-national champions. the Badgers all the way down in seventh, 13-1. and one. Boy, if... Uh, if Coach Chris was a no-respect guy, he could uh, complain about that, couldn't he? I would think so. 
Because they, what did they end up winning? 13 13 and 1. No, 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 no. But what was their score of their bowl game? Did they win by like 15, 20? They they won the Orange Bowl against Miami like uh, 28 to 20 or 34 to 20 or something like that, I think. And it looked like uh, they were in over their heads and then came fighting back to win. Uh, Penn State 8. And Ohio State 14 and Michigan State 15 and uh, Northwestern 17. So that's a pretty good year for the Big Ten. One, two, three, four, six teams rated from uh, number five to number 17. How'd our boys end up in that final round? We did not make it. Let's see. We didn't lose to Ohio State. We lost to Wisconsin. We didn't lose to Penn State. Uh, no, wait, five. Uh, excuse me. We lost. Did we play Michigan? Did our boys play Michigan State? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Lost to Michigan State. At lost home, to Northwestern. Right? Yep. Yeah. But uh, you know, as I said earlier, we've wasted 170 million dollars <laughs> to get better in football because it doesn't make any difference. But how about this? The Gophers' last game of the first season for Coach Fleck, they didn't. They had one goal. To keep the score down against Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. And Wisconsin only ends up seventh in the country. We did our job. Yeah. I also I saw another note today that people found interesting. Since whenever in this in this century, I guess Alabama's only lost to two Big Ten teams, right? Well. <laughs> uh, to Ohio State. Ohio State. And, and to the Gophers. And to us. Yeah. And the Music and to City Coach Bowl. Mace. Well. <laughs> That was a six and five Alabama team covering coming off probation, hey, right? That yeah. was that was Mike Shula, wasn't it? Yeah, then, Mike yeah. Shula. Long Who, by the Saban. way, just got fired. Just got fired Who, from the, the way, Panthers. Just got fired from the Panthers as <laughs> yeah. their offense. He and Ken Dorsey, the quarterbacks coach. Do you think yes. he got fired because Ron Rivera finally found out? Wait a minute, you coached an operation that lost to the Gophers in a bowl <laughs> game. Uh, You're out of here, pal. Hey, Coach Mace beat consecutively. Alabama, Arkansas, and Oregon. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, and Oregon was the best of those three teams. Remember who the quarterback was for that Arkansas team? I don't remember. It was Matt, Matt Jones, wasn't Matt, it? Matt Jones, oh, the yeah. receiver who went to the NFL and played five, six years. With Jacksonville. With Jacksonville, yeah. yeah. As a receiver. And the, the receiver. Was Joey okay. Harrington the Oregon quarterback when they beat him? Was it Harrington? No, he was no, the they one lost when they to lost. Harrington. Okay. Uh, uh, Kellen Clemens was the yes. Oregon quarterback. <laughs> who had a, uh, you know, he had a career as a backup in the NFL. Sure. Sammy Parker, it, I think, was the receiver for Oregon. Here's, he, here's the good news. Odds to win the 2018 college football playoff. Here we go. Alabama six to one. Yep. I want to take that money because it'll. I be, want to bet on Alabama because it'll be three to two or whatever. It yeah, is. I want to put a thousand dollars on Alabama. Okay. And then win six next year. Georgia seven and one. Ohio State eight and one. So who's the quarterback at Ohio State without JT Barrett? Well, wasn't the kid, I forget his name, but he was number seven that came in when Barrett got hurt. Is he their next protege? Uh, against be. Michigan, right? Yeah. Hey, how about Michigan 10-1? to 1? I want to bet against Michigan because yeah. they still don't have a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they lost Cle- Mortimer Schnur. Uh, yes, they did. <laughs> Clemson 12-1. to 1. By the way, Mortimer Schnur is uh, transferring. Oh, I did not know this. Yeah, he is because he How much eligibility does he have left? I, I don't thought know. He was, I thought he was like I a senior I this sh- year. Is it well? Maybe I. They one of them, not Peters. Somebody else that was a quarterback there, as I saw, is transferring. He's got a bunch of transfers. Penn State fifteen to one, USC eighteen to one, Auburn eighteen to one, 
Notre Dame eighteen to one, and Wisconsin twenty to one. You can take Alabama and Georgia against the field fifty fifty, right? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Odds to win the two thousand eighteen Heisman Trophy. Jake Fromm ten to one. No chance. Nope. Trace McSorley, fourteen to one. Jonathan Taylor, fourteen to one. DeAndre Swift, Georgia, the running back, fourteen to one. Bryce Love, is he coming back? Fifteen to one. Does he have to come back? Is I, he only I a don't junior? think he has to, but I, I I'm shocked. And that's he probably why the odds are that low that uh yeah. here's I want to bet against this guy, Jalen Hurts. Alabama twenty two. Yeah, I was gonna say what what are what are Tua's what are his odds? He's probably got better uh, odds than Jalen Hurts. They just threw him on at the bottom of the list, fifty to one. But uh, <laughs> the, you got to know that was a, uh, a absolute addition right at the end, right? Who is the guy that has to, on Alabama staff that goes up to Hurts and says, "Do you want to play wide receiver?" Son, because it ain't going to be quarterback. Yeah, we're running back next year. And uh, one more thing here. Uh, H&M, which is a, uh, you saw this, right, Manny? Yes, I H- did. H&M, which is a uh, Swedish firm, I guess, and was had an ad in uh, in uh, a print ad, right? Was it a print ad? I, uh, I just saw it on social in, media. In, in Great Britain. It was in Great Britain where they did this. It didn't do it in yeah. the United States. But a, a really uh, cool-looking uh, uh, little uh, small black kid that would, might have been, what, 10, 10 11 years old? If I he was that old, he looked like yeah, he might have been younger that. than that. And they, the phrase they used, uh, on the, the sweatshirt on the shirt was, coolest monkey in the jungle. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. this guy should have called up somebody of... Howard, whoever came up with that advertising, uh, should have uh, called up a Howard Cosell uh, relative. And, and you know what? You know what baffles me about it too, Pat. And and I mean, H and M they got a ton of heat for this, and it was yeah. absolutely deserved. But wh- where is his parents that signed? Where are the young man's parents that signed uh, off on this? That thought this was going to be like okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, well, I remember being out at Winter Park when Howard uh, Cosell got in trouble for uh, referring to uh, the Washington Redskins receiver. I can't remember which one is the little monkey. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And uh, way mm. back when. And Howard was down there on the field watching practice. And about every five minutes, he had somebody coming down and say, Jesse Jackson's on the phone with you, Howard. And he had all these, all his buddies uh, calling up and telling him how these, they knew he was uh, not a racist and they supported him. And he had everybody calling up. It was rather comical. We'll probably only have room for a daily, one daily complaint. So you guys uh, better line up and see who gets it in. Goodbye. All right. Manny Hill has a hot take daily complaint. What's up, sir? I got a notification on uh, Facebook on Sunday at 5.54 p.m. that said, Ball in the Family is a Facebook watch show you might like. A new episode is available now. Uh, News to Facebook. No, it's not a show I would like. I'm not interested. Thank you. How how about the coaches going nuts? Steve Kerr hit it out of the park today. Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he's called uh, him the Kardashian of the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's. uh, It is amazing though. We're calling him in Lithuania, where he's staying in a luxury hotel. I didn't know there was one. All right, we'll do this again tomorrow from the winter home of the ride, Fort Myers.